The Bucks are back on the winner's list and Giannis is back on the dominant performance list. But was it perfect? I have to ask Frank about Giannis tonight. Uh, and then we can talk about some of the other contributors as well. Some returns. Pat Connaughton back in the lineup. Grayson Allen playing really well as well. So there's a bit to talk about. The Bucks are 12-4, and four, which overall, considering the availability you've had, uh, you have to feel pretty good about that. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Follow my work at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by BetterHelp. As the world's largest therapy service, BetterHelp has matched 3 million people with professionally licensed and vetted therapists available 100% online. Learn more and save 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash NBA. And of course, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen. Uh, whether it's the old school version audio or you want to see our our heads on the screen on YouTube, we appreciate it. And YouTube is where uh, the conversation is really kicking off. There was uh, a lot of emotion after the Philadelphia incident with the ladder, with the Joel Embiid foul. So there was plenty of conversations on YouTube. It's a, it's a lot of fun. So subscribe, join us there and uh, get involved with the show. Frank, the Bucks, 12 and 4, as I mentioned, a pretty good spot to be. I feel like overall... They beat the Blazers 119 to 111. Portland probably eh, hanging around a little longer than you would have liked, but you get 37 from Giannis. You get 17 from Grayson Allen. Pat Connaughton makes his return. Are you feeling good about the Bucs picking up a win at home here to start? What is a pretty big week? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're still in a bit of that just, hey, bank wins. Hmm. Uh, nice to see the injury list shrinking. Uh, Obviously, you've had Drew back a couple of games now, but he was limited on Friday. He came off the bench. Good to see him uh, back in his normal starting role. Grayson Allen back. Uh, you know, Wes still still out. But, uh, you know, I, I think right now, the nice thing is, is as much as it's, you know, you look back on last year in the playoffs, right, and, and how without Chris Middleton, Wes Matthews was essential to their depth. Uh, you know, the upside is that, that here early in the season, They've been able to paper over uh, the lack of obviously Chris every night, Joe Ingles every night, um, and kind of a cat, you know, rotating cast of guys in street clothes uh, from the wing and, and guard ranks. Um, you know, obviously Grayson's missed a fair bit of time. We've seen Drew miss time. Obviously, there's no there's no replacing Drew, especially given the lack of creation the Bucks have from some of their backup guards. But uh, but you know, they've been able to throw Jordan Wara and, and Marjan Bochamp in there, and you know, not that those guys are anything resembling consistent night to night. Uh, but, you know, you get enough. And uh, I think obviously being able to welcome Pat Connaughton back in the mix was the, the headlines for tonight. I think, um, you know, the, the three things for me is one, Pat Connaughton back looking fine, looking like Pat Connaughton. Uh, so you love to obviously have a guy back that uh, for the last couple of years, you've obviously as, as 
one of your pretty regular closers, right? He's not going to close every game, but he's a guy that we've seen play big minutes, um, crunch time minutes for this team uh, all the way up through winning a championship. And then, you know, for an encore played great last year as well. And then I think obviously the other headline, I mean, Oh, by the way, Giannis 37 points snaps his streak of six straight games shooting under 50% with a 16 for 24 effort. We've seen him do this kind of thing against the Blazers before. I think the last mm. time he had that, remember he had, was it, was it two years ago? I think he had that just monster 40, whatever point yeah. game and very basically like barely missed a shot. And then he like missed the next week and a half or something with the, with a knee problem. Yeah. So hopefully uh, <laughs> we won't have a repeat of that. Um, but, you know, he obviously, I think just looked a lot more comfortable, thought he was really patient. Um, the one obvious downside just being that the free throw problems persist. He changed up his routine. He's now holding the ball and taking like two deep breaths, which to me is just drives me crazy. Cause it's like, why, why are we miss those two free throws again? Carry on. Is this, is this Josh Lloyd talk, talking? Was that, was that Josh or who, who, who was that, that Australian voice I just heard? Well, it was actually my uh, the guy I work with here in Australia. I just got a notification that they tagged me in something on social media, and I thought I could bring it up without the volume. Anyway, I don't think anyone that's listened to this show for long enough knows that I I, I, I never pretend that you I... You never really prefer. pay attention to what I'm saying. I don't blame you. I, I, I go on for, for ages. That's why you don't talk that much, because you're generally doing other stuff while we're podcasting. No, I'm just, I was going to say I'm not much of a professional, but uh, we can also go with that as well, Frank. Can't carry on about the Giannis free throw situation. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so Giannis, you know, he, he, he stopped doing his pantomime thing tonight before he gets the ball, and he just took longer with the ball, which again, to me, is like, just, is just drives me crazy. The idea that like taking more time, just pondering, holding the ball and staring at the rim and dragging this out, the pain further. Um, maybe it's just my pain, uh, but... He was, again, very bad from the foul line, 5 for 12. I mean, this is one of the worst slumps we've seen him in. I'm, I'm guessing he's never had a, a two-game shooting slump like like this, and obviously he's had he had some some poor free-throw shooting games pr- prior to. So I think he's now, what, 9 for 27, I think, in his last two games, which is just a complete horror show. But, again, to his credit, I mean, he never, he never lets that limit his, his aggression. He's, you know, it's almost like he wants to go back to the line to, to practice more when he's getting fouled and you always have to give him a ton of credit. Uh, he was huge in the second half, 24 of those 37 coming in the second half. And uh, especially in that third quarter, you know, just uh, I, I thought the Bucks got a bunch of steals. They were turning uh, the, the Blazers over and Giannis, I thought, was just being nice and aggressive. And, you know, he looked really comfortable from mid-range, right? We saw it in the first half on Friday. I think he was four for six on uh, outside the restricted area against the Sixers on Friday, then had a really bad second half shooting the ball. Uh, but tonight kind of worked in reverse. He sort of got himself going with, with stuff driving to the basket. Uh, we saw the Blazers zoning up a fair bit to try to, I think, obviously slow Giannis down a little bit, maybe make the Bucks a little uncertain of how they were going to attack. But the Bucks you know, were, were, did a nice job. We're pretty patient. Uh, they didn't have a monster night, only nine out of 28 from three, but Giannis was obviously kind of the ultimate zone buster and in transition in particular, you know, what, what are you going to do with, with Giannis in transition? And he got out repeatedly. And then, um, as you said, just getting comfortable, a number of kind of 15 to 18 foot pull-up jump shots that he looked pretty comfortable getting to, and then even busted out in the fourth quarter hmm. uh, with the shot clock running down, just the, uh, the Dirk step back from the foul line. And gave what was I don't know if it was Anthony Simons or who who there was a guard that was on him and busted out the two small, which whatever. 
Giannis, you're in a horrible shooting slump. I don't know if you want to like necessarily go with the too small thing, but whatever. Well, everyone's too small. Regard. That's my point. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so anyway, yeah, but you know, all in all, I think just good to see Giannis looking certainly physically. He, he looked really good tonight. He detonated Nurkic, um, oh. near the end of the first half with just a, again, just, just like guys, you know, it's, I think we see that like guys are so focused on trying to like get back backpedal. And the next thing you know, they're just one step too far back. And Giannis takes one step to his left and then just rises up and just hammered it with, with his right hand. Um, so yeah, if we were curious if his knee was hurting, um, that play seemed to say, hey, he's feeling, feeling pretty good. So that was obviously really good to see. And so I think, yeah, between Pat coming back, Giannis obviously putting up a huge stat line, being efficient with his scoring. Um, and then, you know, Blazers have been a good team. They're missing Dam- Damian Lillard tonight. Don't want to bury that lead. Um, and you could say, well, Bucks are still missing Chris Middleton, uh, among others. Uh, so, you know, again, I just thank another win. You know, Blazers have been, came into this game six and two on the road. Jeremy Grant's been really good for them. Anthony Simons, obviously. We saw last year in this fixture when the Blazers came to Milwaukee. I think, I think it was Dame, I think Dame was missing that game as well. And Giannis, I believe, didn't play in that game. And the Blazers just, I think, housed them pretty badly. So you never know. I mean, this team has enough talent that, that they can, they can kill you if you catch them on a bad night. But, you know, Bucks, I think, um, did, it did enough, not some banner night or anything like that. They weren't great, uh, necessarily in any one phase of the game, but Brooke Lopez did a nice job defending the paint and, you know, I think eight out of 33 pointers for Portland. So again, kind of held them down again from three point range and limited, uh, you know, a team that obviously, yeah, even without Dame, they've, they have at least some shooters, but I thought in the second half in particular, so I think we saw a lot of lineups, especially when Justice Winslow was out there where it was kind of like, hmm, a bunch of guys out there who really don't want to shoot from deep. And uh, obviously when you don't want to do that against the Bucks, um, and you don't have, you know, um, dynamic ability to attack the paint all the time, uh, you're going to fall into the trap of, of shooting the kind of shots that the Bucks want you to shoot. And sure enough, if you look at the shot chart again, it was a lot of mid-range jump shots tonight. And ultimately, that's just a hard way to, hard way to beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, 61 points in the first half for the Blazers and only four made threes is, is kind of crazy. You would think if they're going to score 61 points, there would be a bunch of threes. I want to ask you about some of the fouls on Giannis. It was a talking point after the game. Mike Budenholzer has had some stuff to say, which follows on from a flagrant one foul from Joel Embiid on the weekend. I think we all think his ass should have been tossed out of there. But I want to ask you about some of these fouls uh, on Giannis after a talk about our friends and sponsors of the podcast, at Turo. Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. With Turo, you can book any car you want, whatever you want, uh, whatever you want as well from a community of local hosts. And for someone that uh, doesn't have a car like myself, this is very intriguing stuff, particularly because this is available in the US, UK, and Canada and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or minivan for a family road trip or get a classic or luxury car for a special event, birthday or holiday. Find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget. That's me. Uh, and just need to get from A to B. Test drive the new electric vehicle you've had your eye on to see how it fits your everyday life. They've got whatever you need. Every trip is backed by liability insurance terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive at Turo.com. All right, don't uh, forget the Locked On Sports Today podcast uh, if you're 
want to know everything else that's going on in the sporting world. Maybe they're still talking F1s as well. We've discussed F1s a little bit. The season just wrapped up. I was watching at home. There's no doubt about that. Danny Ricardo, I'm about to start crying as we're sitting here right now. Uh, but check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. Uh, so there was another hard foul on Giannis going to the basket. Uh, I believe it was Jeremy Grant, wasn't it? That was the, the first contact. And then Justice Winslow tries to support Giannis going to the floor and ends up just basically getting him in almost in a sleeper hold uh, as he's going to the, to the ground. It was very awkward stuff. It didn't look great. Uh, this was a little bit different, in my opinion, to the Joel Embiid foul where Embiid straight up threw an elbow into him and, and tried to send him to the floor but failed miserably. Uh, but this occasion, Giannis is going at full force. There is a high likelihood that things can get nasty if you're trying to stay in front of him, if you're trying to just give an intentional foul. There's a lot of moving parts. Uh, Mike Budenholzer after the game said that uh, given the physicality that Giannis plays with, he would like to see that the officials would you know, perhaps pay a bit more attention to some of the treatment Giannis generally has to play through, doesn't flop. Uh, how concerned are you? Do, you? do you think that this is an issue? And were you surprised tonight that that foul was just a common foul? It was kind of a weird foul because, as you mentioned, the probably the most awkward and, and maybe the most dangerous part of it was the <laughs> fact that I can I, was it Justice Winslow or Josh Hart? One of them like tried to like catch him by his like bottom of his face, which, generally <laughs> speaking, if I was falling down, I would yeah. not want someone to like grab my head to hold Crank me up. Your neck. Yes. Um, yeah, and there, I think there's some awkward looking pictures uh, I saw. Uh, I think the the Journal Sentinel story had that in their like little thumbnail of the game recap um so it was a little bit weird because i think if if jeremy grant just follows Giannis, i mean he went kind of it ended up going a bit high i think on the replay it was kind of like eh, i guess it didn't look quite as bad as as certainly it looked in in real time um but then the the like failed catching of Giannis as he's going down to the ground kind of just compounded the original foul and and i think just made it a lot more dangerous and worse looking than than it might have otherwise been if, if Grant had just sort of bumped him. Uh, so I, I didn't have as big a problem with the lack of flagrant because, again, it was more like the combination of the two. You know, it was like a an NFL sack and you'd give them both half a sack. You know, do they both get half a flagrant foul and <laughs> add up to one? Um, although, to be honest, part, partly, part of what I was thinking when that foul happened was, well, I don't trust that Giannis can, can, has any chance of making a free throw if he's standing up there by himself, given how things are going. So I was like, maybe it's okay that they don't call a flagrant foul. Maybe his odds of making a free throw are slightly higher um, if he gets to go up there without anybody around him. And I, I don't remember, he, were those, he, he, at one point he made two straight and then he missed two straight and he made his last one and the end one. I don't remember if after that foul, it was the, the two misses or, or the two makes, but, um, but anyway, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, this is kind of the challenge. Like people just don't, I mean, they can't defend you. Yeah. Um, and so they have to be very physical. They have to throw, you know, they don't have to, but they do throw elbows. They do try to wrap him up in ways that that can be dangerous given the speed, you know, just the acceleration speed power that he, that he's playing with. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. There was another play in the third quarter where Nurkic, um, sort of tried to pick him up at the foul line with a head of steam and um, Giannis just sidestepped him going to the left, might've gotten away with a little bit of a carry uh, and then just sort of like very elegantly, but in a way that you just shouldn't take for granted, was able to sneak by 
Simmons as well and kind of, you know, was kind of like had his body sideways and went up and finished with a left-hand little finger roll. Um, I mean, the degree of difficulty on that shot, first off, it looked like a year ago, I think Nurkic takes that foul. In this instance, it looks mm. like he may have been concerned that it would have been deemed the transition take foul, even though he was pretty close to the basket. Um, so I thought that was interesting, right? Giannis, I haven't, I haven't checked in like a week or so, but Giannis's transition points were pretty much the exact same this year as they were last year. So I don't know that there's been, you know, any sort of market uptick overall in his transition scoring numbers, um, even with the transition take stuff. Uh, and, and that obviously, I think most people would say maybe cer- certainly for a guy like Giannis, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember if, if we've seen a transition take foul on Giannis, like maybe one, maybe two. I, I don't know. It's been very, teams have generally like, you know, sort of just been forced to let him go. Um, but, but either way, the Bucks have been weirdly bad in transition so far this year. And that's one of those things. I think part of it's three point shooting hasn't been as good. And obviously three point shooting is, you know, pretty tied and transition isn't just layups, right? It's, it's also tied to getting early threes off uh, in transition. They haven't shot great from three. So um, obviously it's a concern. I mean, just the way he plays, he's going to take a pounding and especially in transition when he's moving with that kind of speed, he's going to be more vulnerable. So, I mean, it's just kind of an occupational hazard. Um, I still think the worst one was it, was it Trevor Ariza in the playoff series, the first round playoff series two years ago, like just tackled him basically and didn't get a flagrant foul that I'm trying to think of like some of the worst fouls that like weren't called flagrants. Um, I think the Embiid one, you know, Giannis is the victim of being too big and strong and not flopping. If I mean, if he goes down like a sack of potatoes, when Embiid throws that forearm elbow into his yeah, stomach, yeah. If, if he does what Embiid would have done, then mm. I think there's a great chance that Embiid's tossed because it would have underscored that it's a dirty non-basketball play and he could have really gotten hurt. Unfortunately, with Giannis, you know, it's like he just almost doesn't even feel it. And uh, it ends up just being a regular flagrant. And, you know, they probably, you know, get a different result if if that if that's called a flagrant two rather than flagrant one. But, you know, the next night Embiid rolls his ankle and now he's going to miss, uh, sounds like a week or two. So karma's a bitch. So, so it goes. Oh boy! Uh, one of the uh, worst <laughs> one, of, one of the worst fouls uh, I saw was the uh, what should have been an offensive foul on Mike Dunleavy in the 2015 playoffs for getting it, <laughs> for get, for getting in the way of Giannis, who was simply just trying to run down the court. Uh, bad call. Giannis got tossed, and I think history will say that was a mistake. Uh, speaking of guys that uh, have a history of, Who, who's of... to say, Mamie? Who's to say if the Bucks don't come back and win that 54 point That's loss? Right. If not for uh, for that question, questionable call. Well, I've told this story before, but I was in the building. It was actually my first ever trip to Milwaukee. And uh, before that game, I was caught up in everything. And I thought that there was going to be a game seven. So I was on the phone to a travel yeah, you agent. changed your flight, right? Changed my flights. And then 10 minutes. Uh, so I was pumped up about changing my flights. I'm like, game seven, baby. This is going to be incredible. Five minutes later, they were down by 95 points. And I thought that potentially game seven wasn't going to happen. But anyway. We got to say well, it's a memorable event. That, that was before we had to retire. Never trust the Bucks, Kane. That's right. So at that time, you know what does the sign up here say? Never trust the Bucks. Should have yeah. known better. But uh, thankfully, we I deleted that pin tweet. Uh, yeah, on, I think right. July. I think it was on July twenty first, twenty twenty one. It was not the night of the championship. I think it was maybe the next 
that tweet. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, eh, we can look that, that was actually the, uh, the night before my wedding. Um, so Frank was fuming at his wedding. (laughs) No, actually, no, I, I, I mean, when you get crushed that badly, like you kind of just are like, eh, screw these guys, like their own damn fault, you know? Um, and also, I mean, that, you know, that was young Giannis. That was before the Bucks were contenders. So on some level it was like, well, like, you know, I, not like I had any faith for the Bucks being a, a second round team that year anyway, really. Um, and that whole year was right, like kind of like a house money thing because they had been so bad the year before. Uh, and to be honest, also just, I mean, I was, you know, about to get married. You know, it was just a really fun week. So I had, lo- I had, let me, let me say this. I was not letting, you know, basketball distract me too much. Normally I will absolutely let basketball distract me, but that weekend I was like, yeah, you know, whatever. I'm getting married. I'm not going to let the Milwaukee Bucks being the Bucks get me down so um let me just say this i'm i'm glad that i got married in 2015 and not you know the like day after the uh the raptors game game six in 2019 i will say that well that's a nice little twist to that uh event that many of our viewers and listeners would uh, remember very very easily uh for me as i said extended the holiday a couple extra days off work i may have found myself Uh, Looking for a new job, though, which brings us to LinkedIn Jobs, our uh, sponsor of the podcast. And uh, I would have obviously gone to LinkedIn uh, to look for a job. But if you're on the other side of the scale and you're trying to hire people, uh, you will understand that these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. Uh, I probably wouldn't have been that. But uh, that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Uh, Chuck on the LinkedIn uh, hiring frame, the purple frame on LinkedIn. It spreads the word that you're hiring. Uh, There's a bunch of different tools you can use, screening questions, uh, for example, that make it easier to find the candidates uh, with just the right skills for you. Uh, It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. And uh, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnMBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I wanted to ask you about Grayson Allen, uh, Frank. I thought he had a pretty uh, decent night tonight with 17 points. And as we mentioned, there's been different lineups that the Bucks have gone with. Uh, obviously, Chris Milton probably comes in. We've discussed who's the fifth starter. When that all happens, would it be Grayson Allen? Would they stick with Javon Carter? I kind of feel like they probably will stick with Javon, but we'll see. Uh, what happens but tonight for Allen the 17 points couple of finishes at the basket which is always nice to see that hasn't been obviously a strong suit also got to the free throw line for five attempts Uh, he is a little bit different to a lot of guys they have in the obviously the way that he shoots the ball and three-point shooting has been a struggle for this team in the offense we haven't really just uh discussed the the whole trade report stuff, you've somehow managed to avoid those conversations on the podcast so far. But do you have any strong thoughts on Grayson Allen? Again, it's one game. Portland's, Portland's not exactly a defensive juggernaut. I understand that the questions aren't going to be eradicated to the postseason. But overall, I thought he had a pretty nice night. Yeah, I mean, Grayson Allen's a good player. I mean, he's, you know, I think... All right, that'll uh, do it. I, no. <laughs> I mean, I think I think Chris Middleton is the Buck, the, the Bucks' best overall shooter. You know, when you yes. factor in shooting off the dribble and mid range and all that other stuff, you know, Grayson's really a, a three point specialist who doesn't, I think, have the same flexibility to 
sort of a shooting arsenal. But uh, but if you want to talk about you know guys that are really good off the catch, guys that extend out to to very deep range um, above the break corners, etc. Uh, and the nice thing is he also has the ability to, to attack, you know, a close out if, uh, if teams do close out a little too hard. And yeah, he's not like a, obviously he doesn't have like a ton of, um, a ton of swerve in his game. He's really more of a straight line driver when that happens. Um, not a great passer, but you know, a, a decent passer. Uh, he's averaging a career high 2.4 assists per game this year. And, you know, you look at the numbers, it's like, He's 42% from three this year. His, his two-point numbers are, are down, um, but overall career high, 2.3 free throw attempted per game. And, you know, he, uh, I think he's back over 10 points a game uh, after tonight, just looking at some of his, his stats. So uh, he's a good player. And, and that's kind of the thing too. I mean, I think the discussion around, you know, this Jay Crowder, Grayson Allen, I think, I think you guys may, you and maybe it was you and Justin, I know you and Justin and Camille have all had like various like attempts to, to kind of discuss. I think we've had like one podcast where we talked about Jay Crowder. Um, I, I think the, you know, if you do trade a guy like Grayson for well, not a guy like, but Grace, actual Grayson Allen for Jay Crowder, <laughs> it, it does just put you in this weird spot where, I mean, you're just going to be a really big team probably in all the types of lineups that you're running. Cause if you're doing that, you're going to have to play Jay Crowder at more as more than just a four, which he's probably mostly a small ball sort of stretch four. Um, but there aren't enough minutes to play him any significant minutes if he's just Giannis's backup. So he's going to have to play some three. And I mean, he's like six six in theory. So I mean, it's not like Jay Crowder's like you know like a six nine guy or something like that. But he obviously, I'd say, plays a little bit bigger, defends up rather than down, or at least we're used to seeing that. And that's the thing. Oh, you know, I can't sit here and tell you like how good Jay Crowder is at defending, you know, small forwards and maybe even shooting guards relative to to kind of bigger threes and fours at this point. You know, I just don't know. I just haven't seen him in that scenario enough. Um, I do think in general, you know, people get so excited about small ball that I think people overrate the usefulness of small lineups in terms of like just the night in night out grind of an 82 game season. I think what we're seeing from the Bucks this year and what we've seen from them in the past, and honestly what we've seen from lots of teams is that in general, having more size, generally a good thing, right? Like it's, it's generally hard to play small consistently and at least be really good defensively, right? Like it, it's typically a trade where you're essentially saying, I want more skill guys on the floor and I'll give up some of my size, my rebounding, you know, my ability to protect the rim but I'm going to have more shooting. I'm going to be more skilled. So, so that's the kind of bargain I'm, I'm making here. Um, and so I think we've seen the bucks obviously with the PJ trade, right? Like, I mean, cause we think about PJ as being like, Oh, well, he's like the, you know, four man that allows you to play Giannis at the five and things like that. But mm-hmm. they didn't actually do, they didn't actually yeah. do that that much. Um, you know, PJ was playing way more like, two three than he was like four or recall in houston right there was like he was playing small ball five a lot that's really not how the bucks used him so uh so obviously i i I don't think um i don't know that jake well i don't think jake crowder can defend as versatilely as pj does so i sort of hesitate to call him like a pj replacement although i do i would say in general like of course if you're playing the boston celtics in particular yeah, having more like six, 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 seven guys who can defend 
threes and fours, like, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum competently, that's useful, right? That's definitely useful. Um, but I would also say, do I trust Jay Crowder, especially if he's wearing Milwaukee Bucks colors to consistently hit three pointers in the playoffs? Of course not. Of course not. He was streaky as hell in Phoenix the last couple of years. And we know anytime you put on a Milwaukee Bucks uniform, you can no longer be a reliable uh, <laughs> three-point shooter in the playoffs. That's the rules. Um, that, that's the rules. And we saw that even hold true for Grayson Allen, who although I think what Grayson shot like 39% from three in the playoffs last year. Unfortunately, it was, you know, like 55% against the Bulls and nowhere close to that against the Celtics. So it was a consistency issue. So um, I think, you know, my, my view on Grayson in general is, especially in the playoffs, it's going to be matchup dependent. Um, you know, if you told me I have to go through the gauntlet to try to win it, you know, all things being equal, would I rather have Grayson Allen and Jay Crowder? I would say, well, Jay Crowder, probably in the playoffs, you know, you just, because of that defense, you'd probably feel like that's a more useful guy to have available to you. But again, part of that is because we saw what happened last year when the Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton. I don't think Jay Crowder playing in place of Chris Middleton, you know, wins the Bucks an NBA championship last year, for instance. Mm. But I think it would have given them certainly a better chance to to maybe beat the Celtics, surprise them in the second round if they had a bit more size. And and uh, and again, obviously Grayson struggling on both ends in that series really hurt. So uh, so again, I you know, if you told me would I take Jay Crowder for Grayson Allen straight up, that's tough. I think that's a, kind of a I don't want to say a coin flip because that feels very indecisive, but. I don't really feel strongly about it one way or the other. I think the obvious benefit, the, the obvious appeal of, of Jay Crowder as a versatile wing defender uh, in the playoffs is, is appealing, but Jay's also old, older. Uh, he wants for a dollar number that do the bucks really want to pay? What is he 32 now? Do they really want to give him a $10 million a year extension, you know, versus Grayson Allen still very much in the prime of his career. Um, and, uh, again, against teams other than the Celtics, I think you can find ways to play him off the bench. And it's not like Jay Crowder is you're playing to start him uh, if you acquire him either. So I think, again, a lot of what Grayson struggled with last year was being put in an outsized role relative to what he should be in. And obviously that's just a recipe for <laughs> kind of underachieving, right? When you're having to play minutes uh, in lineups, in rotations, uh, where you're just really not as well suited to it. And Boston, given their size, there really wasn't an easy way to, to hide him defensively. And then he just didn't make shots, right? And that's obviously just tough, tough to bounce back from. So I'm, I'm happy to keep Grayson Allen. You know, if you told me, hey, let's make a trade, I would say, all right, you know, what can George Hill and, and, uh, and Jordan Wara get you if in terms of salary matching? He's, those guys are not worth as much combined as, as Grayson Allen's salary, but um, you know, I, again, I'm some people, I think, especially after last year, were like really itching to trade Grayson Allen and he's a useful player, especially on a team that has guys like Giannis who have a lot of gravity, like having plus shooters from the perimeter. Uh, that's something I would rather have than not have. And again, even if that's not a consistent thing that I can play and expect him to shoot 40% in every series, um, I think there's going to be at least two or three series where he probably can play and actually help you in a, in a playoff run. Yeah, it's interesting that I've mentioned this, but just to reiterate the point, I, I guess obviously the defensive stuff, particularly against Boston, that's a team that keeps coming up. I get it. But even offensively, I've seen this idea that 
you know, it's the length of the Boston defense that kind of you know put him off in that series against Boston. Well, no, every single one of his three throw attempts by the tracking data was wide open. He just missed them, and he's a better shooter than that. Uh, you mentioned it. That's that's the box. That's the box in the postseason. And as I've said, I probably wouldn't trade Allen for Crowder today. But if they did go ahead and do it, I can buy into the vision because you understand what they're looking for with Jay Crowder. So yeah, uh, I think you said you wouldn't do a coin. You wouldn't. You wouldn't mention coin flip because it's indecisive. But then you said you weren't wouldn't sure if you do the trade. So I think uh, also indecisive. Yeah, indecisive. I- uh, part of it too is like I like what is the Bucks don't have a rush to do anything right now, right? No, that's like, no, wait. You that, haven't seen the guys, yeah. Yeah, I mean, p- part of me is just like, I mean, Grayson Allen is the most useful matching salary that you have. Again, you have other guys, principally George Hill, Jordan War, that you can use to aggregate salary. But let's see what happens, right? Um, let's see what other guys maybe become available. It's not like you're, you know five and 11 and just bleeding out with Chris Middleton heard. And, you know, you desperately need a guy like Jay Crowder in order to uh, stop the bleeding and, and get your regular season back on track. You have the luxury of, of not really feeling a whole lot of urgency right now. And again, I, I assume the Bucks wouldn't be sniffing around Jay Crowder this much and be so linked with him if there hadn't been at least like some indication from his agent through back channels at least, that there would be an openness to coming to Milwaukee, even though he would not have a, a clear starting role here. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, again, that's another kind of piece of this, like how much is he even going to play? And, you know, is there really a $10 million a year role if he, he's expecting and wanting? I, I just don't know. But I, I think, you know, in the grand scheme of the universe, I'd probably sit tight and look for, you know, keep my options open for for maybe – other guys that might become available. And again, I, if a guy came available, that was more of like a two, three, you know, more of like a positional like for like for Grayson Allen that you could slot in as, you know, a shooting guard or a small forward and maybe doesn't defend up as much. But again, I just don't know that you need a guy to defend power forwards as much as, as you need a guy that's, that's more of a pure wing. Um, So we'll, we'll see kind of how that, that evolves um, over the, the rest of this regular season. All right. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the homestand will continue. Uh, we'll be with you on Locked On Bucks throughout that. I put the question up on YouTube. What are the Bucks going to do? They've got the Cavs, they've got the Bulls, they've got the uh, Dallas Mavericks. I'm not sure if that's the order, but they're playing those three teams. I asked everyone what they thought the record was going to be. Uh, plenty of optimism, uh, I will say that. A couple of four and O's, we'll see. That would be nice, uh, but the Bucks are at home. Feels like they've always been at home this season, but we'll see what they can do. As I said at the top, 12 and 4 is a pretty good spot to be, all things considered. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Speak to you guys then.